What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, August 13th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And like every Thursday, today's show presented by Violent Gentlemen. Make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com right now to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentlemen honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport, violentgentlemen.com. Today's Violent Gentlemen segment is with Albert Breer from the NFL Network. I caught up with Bert this morning over the phone. He's in New York City. Uh, he's hosting the Rich Eisen Show today, filling in. Uh, so best of luck to him. We caught up with him this morning. Great stuff as always. I'll play that conversation for you in just a few minutes. Uh, but opening the show up today, I'm going to get into what else? Deflategate, uh, the settlement conference yesterday, the first. Now we wait. Will there be a settlement? I don't expect one. I expect to be back in court next Wednesday, August 19th. And, uh, you know, but, but we're just sort of continuing to react to what we at least read yesterday uh, from Judge Richard Berman, questioning both sides, questioning the NFL lawyer Daniel Nash, questioning NFLPA and Tom Brady's attorney, uh, Jeffrey Kessler. And, you know, the, the vibe that you get when you see this and you read the stuff and the questions and the things that the Judge Richard Berman had to say, uh, certainly, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. It does look like Richard Berman is taking the side of Tom Brady. And afterwards, NFLPA leader D. Smith, he said it was a productive day for Tom Brady and his side, the NFLPA, and I absolutely agree. So we, now it's just, we wait, right? We, I reacted on yesterday's podcast. I waited a little bit to react. I was on WEI radio here in Boston last night, and I took some calls, and we continued to react. I'll be on WEI once again tonight. 10 to midnight, I'm sure we'll get into even more Deflategate stuff, and I'm sure there will be some type of story that will come out uh, today. But last night while I was on WEEI, there was a tweet that I read. And if you weren't listening and you didn't see it or you didn't hear it, uh, there's a tweet from Michael McCann. And Michael McCann, who is a legal analyst for Sports Illustrated, he sends out this tweet. He says... Alan Milstein, who's litigated against NFL and tried cases before Judge Berman, told me, quote, Berman will absolutely vacate Brady's suspension, end quote. Now, that's the tweet. Again, Michael McCann, he's a legal analyst uh, for Sports Illustrated, and he basically talked to an attorney. That attorney's name is Alan Milstein. Alan Milstein has litigated against the NFL, he's tried cases, and Judge Berman has been uh, the guys to oversee those cases. He's been the judge to oversee them. And Alan Milstein has taken that experience, he knows what Berman's about, and he tells Michael McCann, he says, Berman will absolutely vacate Brady's suspension. Now this is based on what Milstein knows of Berman and also what Milstein saw that happened yesterday in a federal courtroom in New York City. So that's good news. And, and I said this last night in the radio. Michael McCann is a guy who has 45,000 followers. He's not tweeting to get more followers because you do get some people to do that, especially during a situation like this. 
You know, they get any type of information, they're throwing it out there. They want the retweets, they want the favorites, they want the publicity, right? Michael McCann is not, he doesn't need to tweet this out. He doesn't. He does not need to tweet this out. The fact that he did, and he respected this opinion so much, and thought so much of this opinion, he felt the need to give it to us. And it's, that, that's, to me, that is a major tweet that has 1.2 thousand retweets. But again, Alan Milstein says, Berman will absolutely vacate Brady's suspension. Now, that's not official. That doesn't mean he's going to be right. But at least that is, uh, you know, those are the words of someone who has dealt with this judge before. And if we're going to combine that with what we saw yesterday, it sounds like Alan Milstein, an attorney who's dealt with Berman before, agrees with someone like myself who thinks that yesterday, and also agrees with D. Smith, that yesterday was a productive day for Tom Brady. It was. I mean, I already reacted to this whole thing on yesterday's podcast. I talked with Bert Breer of the NFL Network over the phone this morning. And again, I'll play that conversation for you in just a few minutes. But uh, it sounds like, you know, Bert sort of agrees with me as well that it was a good day for the NFL PA. And, and, and I know it's, we, everybody wants a settlement. But when you're the NFL and you basically admit yesterday that you do not have any direct evidence that links Tom Brady to the deflation of footballs in the AFC championship game, if I'm the NFL PA and I'm Tom Brady, I'm, I'm waking up today going, we're not settling. There's no settlement. There's just, we're not. When it comes to games and suspensions, there is no settlement. Because in a court of law, as I mentioned yesterday on this podcast, as I mentioned last night on WEEI, and I slept on it, and I'm continuing to feel this way today. In a court of law, the NFL does not have anything to win this battle. They don't. Look, the last six months, what we've done is everybody has given their opinion. Okay? Everybody. I mean, you got your theories. You name a sports talk radio host in Boston, a full-time guy, a TV personality in Boston, a columnist in Boston, big names, big media names, full-time guys, guys that make six figures, six fucking figures, okay? They have given you their theories on Deflategate. What happened in the AFC Championship, what happened leading up to it, what happened when McNally took the balls into the bathroom, what happened uh, at halftime, what happened after the game, what happened in the investigation. Everybody has given you their theory. And, and yesterday, you know, I'm listening to some people, and I'm listening to some of the theories again from, from big-name personalities in this town when it comes to the media, and I'm thinking to myself, shut the fuck up. Like, this is not, when you're going to break down what happened yesterday in the courtroom, it, your theory is meaningless to me. I don't give a shit what your theory is right now. It's not about you. This is not about you. Some people have made this about them. And it's, it's never been more evident than yesterday. Like, this isn't about you. This is now about what goes on in a court of law. And in a court of law, most of the shit that we throw against the wall and, and we come up with with these conspiracy theories and our theories as to what happened in the championship game, that's, that doesn't fly. In a court of law. You need evidence. And you need to prove that Tom Brady is guilty. Okay? And what we learned yesterday is that the NFL... Again, I don't care what your theory might be. I don't care what you think happened based on text messages. Based on previous games. Based on what happened after the AFC Championship. 
The Wells report is the thing that it, it is it is the investigation and the report that led to the NFL suspending Tom Brady. And what there is not in the Wells report, in the Wells report findings, what there is not is there is no evidence, no direct evidence that links Tom Brady to the deflation of footballs in the AFC championship game. I mean, the judge pointed it out. He said, I need this game. This is, you're suspending him for this because what happened in this game, not anything anywhere else. Give me evidence of this game, of him being involved in a conspiracy or of him maybe even deflating the footballs himself. Do you have it? They don't. And the NFL lawyer, Daniel Nash, yesterday, he admitted such. He says, we have no such evidence. We have no such direct evidence. They don't have it. And the judge even said, I'm having a tough time finding the evidence that links Tom Brady to this. I'm I'm having a tough time finding it. That links him in the AFC Championship. Again, you can take all outside of the courtroom. We can all sit here and take all the things that we know or we think we know, combine them, and, and, and think of, oh, here's what happened. I know what happened, right? I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I got a call on WEI that, that gave me the, here's what happened in the, in, at, before the game. Or here's what happened a week before the game. It, th- those theories are all combined based on everything that you know. But those are theories. That isn't fact. That isn't hard evidence. When you, get in, when you bring this thing to court, you need hard evidence. And you can't, you can't go out and try to prove that Brady talked about PSI in a football in week seven and then say he's guilty for something in the AFC championship. No, the judge, that doesn't mean anything to the judge, right? It means nothing. And he even said it. He said, I need this game, this one single game. Can you give me something? And the NFL said, we don't have any direct evidence to this specific game. Well, there's your problem. Then you can't win this battle in the court. You can't. And we learned that yesterday. I mean, a lot of us sort of knew that anyways, based on us reading the Wales report. But yesterday confirmed it, right? At least it should have. You still got people afterwards, though, that wanted to give their conspiracy theories. It doesn't, it, doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what your theory is anymore, based on all the evidence. That's not what the judge does. That's not what he should do. That's not what he's going to do. He's asking for direct evidence. The NFL doesn't have any. They have none. And all this stuff, how the NFL is going to go into Tom Brady, or he didn't cooperate, or he destroyed his phone, that's not going to fly in a court of law, because... If this is all procedural, which it and which this comes back to, the NFL is basically defending itself by continuing to go to the CBA. That's what they're doing. In the CBA, though, somebody's going to need to point out to me where it says player X has to cooperate this much in any investigation. It, there's nothing about any type of cooperation or how much you need to cooperate in an investigation. And on the Wells report, the, the report in which the NFL took and used to punish Tom Brady, Ted Wells never told Brady that he would be punished if, some, if he didn't hand over the phone. And once, basically, you don't hand over the phone, I don't care what you do with it after. It should, look, you didn't hand over the phone. He chose not to. You would never. You never said that. They never told him he'd be punished if he if he didn't. 
I don't care if he threw it in the garbage, if he kept it in his drawer, if he threw it in his pool. It doesn't, if he took a bat to it, it doesn't matter what happened to the phone after that. All that matters is he didn't give it to the league. And, but there's no punishment for that. And if you want to go to uh, precedent, again, I mentioned last night, 2012, San Diego Chargers, the Stick'em incident. It turns out they found out that the Chargers were using Stick'em on towels, right? Illegal Stick'em on, on some towels on the sideline. And the NFL said, we want the, the evidence. We want that. And they wouldn't give it up. I mean, that would be like the Patriots not giving up the footballs at halftime of the AFC Championship. Imagine what we'd have then. <laughs> right? Say, we're not going to hurry. Take the footballs. Run. I mean, you know, what the, you know what happened to the Chargers for not giving up the evidence and not cooperating that way? $20,000 fine. So the NFL doesn't really have anything to stand on here in a court of law. The only thing they would have to stand on is if Judge Berman asked Daniel Nash, the NFL attorney yesterday, I'm having trouble finding evidence. What it, where is your evidence that links Brady uh, to either the conspiracy or the actual deflation of footballs in the AFC championship game alone? You know, if, the, if, if Daniel Nash said, well, here's our evidence, then, then you got something there. But, but he couldn't say that. He had to say, no, we don't have such direct evidence because they don't have any evidence. And in a court of law, it's not going to fly. And I don't give a fuck about your theories anymore because they, it, it, that's meaningless. The theories, they're out the window. This is in the court system. Innocent until proven guilty. You got to prove that Brady did this. You, they can't do it. And the judge, at least from yesterday, the things that he said and the questions he asked, even though he went at Kessler too, I, I, I agree. But it just, it was, it was more eye-opening stuff when he went after the NFL and Daniel Nash. And especially eye-opening when Daniel Nash admitted to not having any direct evidence. That's huge. And, and it showed me that Berman absolutely is leaning one way, and that one way is towards the NFLPA. And that's why D. Smith afterwards said this was a productive day for Tom Brady and the players. Uh, Bert Breer, NFL Network, joined me over the phone. This morning, I'll play that conversation for you right now. Stick around afterwards because I have some thoughts on some some baseball things. The NBA schedule was released. I'll get to that. Uh, and the PGA Championship, it has begun today at Whistling Straits. couple thoughts to close out the show on this Violent Gentleman Thursday. Make sure you go to violentgentleman.com right now to order some of the hottest T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene from the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentleman honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. ViolentGentleman.com. Here is my Violent Gentleman guest of the week. Enjoy, and again, stick around afterwards. All right, joining me over the phone right now is Albert Breer of the NFL Network. Bert, good morning. How you doing today? I'm good, Danny. You? I'm doing good. So yesterday we had the first settlement conference in New York City. Uh, afterwards, D. Smith of the NFLPA, he said it was a productive day for them. I look at this, I look at the questioning, I look at the answers, and I agree. This was a productive day for the NFLPA and Tom Brady. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I still think we can go back to, um, you know, the last phase of settlement talks, and, and we can see how the NFL was dug in in its position, and um, if you go back, you look, you see the NFLPA, I believe it was July 17th, made a, made a settlement offer to the NFL, and you move that forward to when they confirmed, the, or when, um, you know, Roger rejected the appeal. Um, well, 
you see that the NFL didn't make any sort of counteroffer or any formal counteroffer to the NFLPA. And so, um, you know, I, I think you have to, you know, start at the end here and work backwards. And, you know, the judge is certainly looking to get the sides to settle. Um, and I think that, you know, what we saw yesterday clearly was the judge saw the NFL as a side that was being more stubborn. Mm-hmm. And so he had to do more work to move them off their position. Um, you know, his job right now um, is to try and get this thing out of the courts and try and stop wasting taxpayers' money on something like this. And so he's doing his best to try to get them to settle. And I think it's pretty clear he felt like he had a further, a longer way to go with the NFL when it came to that. Yeah, Judge Richard Berman yesterday, do you feel that his questioning to Nash and Jeffrey Kessler, you you do think that tipped us off as to how he actually feels about the case, right? You just mentioned that uh, he thinks the it clearly comes off yeah. as if the NFL is being too stubborn. That that's that's a correct analysis of that because going in, yeah, we heard all this stuff about all right. Here's what the judge is going to do. He's going to play sort of devil's advocate. You know, he did that with uh, Kessler, but I feel like you know the stuff with Kessler was stuff we all knew. You know, with Nash. Him, getting Nash to admit that there was no direct evidence that implicates Tom Brady in this, I thought just to get them to confirm that was huge. And and you kept hearing, yeah. you kept hearing from the judge saying, I'm trying to find something here. I'm trying to find that evidence. And the NFL just doesn't have it in a court of law. And, and here's the big thing, man. I mean, I, 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 in the end, the, the, the judge is in a really tricky spot here. Because mm. I think he looks at this and he says to himself, my God, why are we here? You know, what the yeah. hell are you guys doing in my courtroom? Like, like, why are we wasting taxpayer money on something like this? And, and you know, I think he sees on one side that the NFL clearly overreached on the penalties. You know, no matter what you think happened, they clearly overreached on the penalties. This has clearly gone too far. The other side of it is that, He's a judge, and judges don't like to intervene in labor law. And his job here isn't to, you know, isn't to to rule on innocence or guilt. Is to rule on the process and whether it was fair and within the parameters of the CBA. And so, you know, I, I think that that's that that's kind of the message he sent to both sides throughout this whole thing. Um, you know, and I think it's pretty clear um, that he, you know, looks at the Wells report and says to himself, "Okay." I need the NFL to, to, to disengage from this thing because the NFL has clearly been protecting millions of dollars in investment they've put in this thing, and I need to get them off of that, and I need to get them to a place where they, don't, uh, they, they, uh, they aren't so married to that money they spent that they can't see this thing clearly. And so I, I think yesterday was, in a lot of ways, an effort to say to the NFL, we don't need to validate this. I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it look like crap in front of everybody, okay? And we don't need Brady to accept this um, to, to reach a settlement. Mm-hmm. So just drop that part of it, you know? And so I think what he did, and, and I think it was, if you, if you look at it and you break it down, I, I think it's actually pretty, I, I mean, you see the experience of a federal judge, you know, in, in this type of setting. You know, he breaks down the Wells report and he undermines the Wells report, I think, in an effort to try and promote a settlement. And he scares the living daylights out of me to begin this thing by, by threatening that maybe this something like this could go on for two years. I do not want to be talking about the flake game for more than, <laughs> for more than two more weeks, Bird. Uh, of course, we have the next settlement hearing on August 19th, next Wednesday, yep. in which I, I am reading that Brady and Goodell will both take the stand. Obviously, there's you know, possibility of a settlement between now and then, but I don't expect a settlement, and you, you don't either, right? You, you expect we'll be in court August 19th, next Wednesday. 
I would think so, you know, but I mean, who knows? You know, I, I, look, the, the judge's job in this, in this, um, in a case like this, when he's clearly looking for settlement, is to create a worst case scenario for both sides. We saw what he did publicly. He met with the sides privately, and my guess is, is that, you know, he told both sides that you're not going to like what we're going to come out of this with. Now, I don't know what that's going to be, but, uh, you know, there's a possibility he could walk walk into the, the, the Brady side and say, look, I agree with you on a lot of this stuff. Hmm. But the fact is, is that this is, you know, the commissioner and the league didn't violate the CBA, you know, and say, I, I, I don't have any recourse but to uphold this. That would push the Brady side to settle. And then he could go into the NFL room and he could say to the NFL people, you know, I may rule for you, but I'm going to put language in there that's going to make it so you are not going to be able to serve as an appeals officer for the rest of this collective bargaining agreement. And you're going to find yourself in court again and again and again. And so there are ways creatively where a judge can take something and say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create an awful situation for both of you. And if you force me to rule, I'm going to cause a lot of pain for both of you. And so I, I think that's probably what happened behind closed doors yesterday. And, you know, it's his job to try to leverage a settlement out of it. And um, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen in the next week. I know that the last set of settlement talks that wrapped up just before this hearing went absolutely nowhere. Um, you know, but I think if they can get the NFL to move off of the admission of guilt thing, and move off of, you know, their attempts to validate the Wells report, then maybe we can start getting somewhere. And, um, you know, I, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the next settlement conference, um, you know, and next Wednesday, and whether or not the tone's a little bit different there than it was this time. Um, because if it is, I think that'll be a sign that there's been at least some progress in settlement talks. And, of course, you know, really the real deadline here. Um, is the beginning of September when you know both sides have asked for a ruling. Uh, all right, Barrett, before I let you go, i got to stay in the AFC East real quick uh, because I know you've been all over this, <laughs> this Geno Smith altercation. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we can call it, right? An altercation because, look, Jets coach yep. Todd Bowles, he kind of made it sound like at first Smith was sort of just blindsided by this, but I've looked at it and said, there's no way that Smith was just walking up the locker room one day and I.K. Enumpali came over and blindsided him, right? This was... This was an altercation between these two. Yeah. I mean, I, here's what I can tell. I can tell you exactly. I, here are the facts that, that, that neither side or anybody, nobody's disputed, okay? There's this football camp. He, Gino's commits to going to the football camp in Texas. Um, you know, he winds up backing out of it. And Polly wants, you know, the travel expenses back, which is like $600 that's been out there. Um, you know, and, and Gino says at the start of training camp that he's going to get it to him. Two weeks go by, everything kind of festers, and you know how those things can go. Uh-huh. And, you know, and Polly decides, you know, on, on Tuesday that he's fed up, rolls up to Gino in the locker room, and no matter how you slice it, punch Gino in the face. Now, you know, one side would tell you that, uh, that, he, that, that it kind of came out of nowhere from from Polly. The other side would tell you that Gino was defiant and arrogant and acting like a jerk to and Polly on top of owing him that money, and that's what prompted the punch. I can tell you this. I, you know, I, I covered Todd Bowles in Dallas, um, and I know a lot of players who played for him in Dallas, Miami, and Philly, and, um, in Arizona. And 
this is going to be very different than this is going to this is, this could wind up being a positive for Bowles because this is going to show kind of what he's made of and how different it's going to be in New York than it was under Rex Ryan for the last six years. He held Adam Pauly accountable by you know by by basically firing him, and he held Gino accountable by saying, "Okay, when you come back, that job is not necessarily yours." I mean, I think they set the tone going forward. Nobody in New York's under the illusion they're winning a championship this year. Hmm. I think this is an opportunity for Bowles and McCagney to cement what they tried to build over the last six months, um, you know, and, and take another step forward. And the real loser here, of course, is Geno Smith, who blew probably his last opportunity to, to prove that he's worth committing to as a franchise quarterback in New York. And Rex Ryan brings Ian and Polly in right away. Some people are, not, some <laughs> Amazing, people are knocking him. I like the move. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You couldn't make it up. I, I, I will say this. I mean, I, I think Rex does it his way, you know, and um, it, it worked in the short term in New York. Long term, it didn't. I, I think the key is, Danny, where do you put these guys? And this goes in all sports. The key is, if you're going to bring in guys with, with baggage, where do they fit in your structure? You know, the first two years Rex was with, with the Jets, they brought in guys like Santonio Holmes and Antonio Cromartie was a problem back then, and Braylon Edwards. And guys who had all sorts of issues in their past, right? Mm-hmm. And they were guys who were kind of middle of the locker room type guys who were under the thumb of guys like Nick Mangold and David Harris and and and, and Darrell Revis and the Alpha Dogs there. Well, after a little while, because those guys played well, they got more prominent roles in the locker room. They got paid, and that's where you had the problem. So I think the key with guys like this is just kind of what their spot in the locker room is, and. I think because Ann and Polly is, I mean, a bit player, at least for now, you look at it and you say, okay, like that's pretty easy to control because it's not like that guy's going to be influencing the way the team goes one way or the other. And if, you know, we have another incident with him, then we'll just cut, lo- we'll, we'll just cut him loose. So I don't think that this is, it's, it's, it's a fun storyline and everything else, but it's not like Ann and Polly is going to be a team captain next week. And, and that's where the problem would be. So I, I don't think it's any sort of, I don't think I don't, I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna kill him or make him one way or the other. All right, Barry, you hosting the Rich Eisen show today? Is that what you said? I am. I am from twelve to three. Yeah. Is this the fir- your first time hosting that show? Yes, it is. Yeah. No, I, I've been going on with Rich forever, and mm-hmm. you know I've worked with Rich for for uh, for five years now. So yeah, I, uh, I I'm not all that I'm not all that used to the host chair. So I I gotta maybe uh, maybe when we get offline here, you can check. <laughs> No, you don't want advice. You don't want advice from me. You don't want advice from me. You'll you'll do fine. We'll be watching, listening. The Rich Eisen Show. Burt Breer is hosting today. He is Albert Breer, the NFL Network. You can also hear him on ninety eight five, the Sports Hub here in Boston. Bert, thanks a lot. Great job as always, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Uh, thanks, Danny. All right, there you go, Albert Breer, NFL Network. A uh, couple NFL notes here before. Uh, I moved to some baseball. Uh, T.Y. Hilton this morning, and the Indianapolis Colts, they have reached a five-year, $65 million extension. Uh, so there's that. And yesterday we heard the news, and I say, I mentioned it to Albert Breer, is that I.K. Enampali, uh, you know, after knocking out and breaking Geno Smith's jaw with a punch, in the Jets locker room, he gets released, and Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills waste no time in picking up I.K. Enampali. And, and, you know, people knock it. And some of the smug things that are just written about this, like, 
oh, you know, good luck to Rex Ryan. I hope he doesn't get punched in the face. I mean, these are people that have never been in a real-life altercation in their fucking lives. So, I mean, I I will not look at the Geno Smith situation and think that this was a guy who was so innocent that was walking up the locker room and, you know, a guy decided to... Uh, he didn't like Geno Smith, or he owed him a couple bucks, and he just wanted to go blindside him and sucker punch him. We used the, they used the word sucker punch, but I think that might that might be a that's a tough phrase to use. If this was an altercation, right? And Geno Smith owed the guy money, and and look, it's it's easy for all of us to say, well, it was these are NFL players. It was only six hundred bucks. Well, I K Enampali is not guaranteed shit. And as much as you look at Geno Smith and say, well, he isn't either. He's still the quarterback of the of the Jets that you know the Jets have put a lot of stock into. They haven't they didn't put a lot of stock into IK Enampali. And Enampali knows that. And look, he's upset. And I'm sure that when he wanted this money from Geno Smith, I am sure that Geno Smith didn't say to him, IK, I'm um, you know what, man? I'm sorry. Uh, I can get it to you next week if that's possible, but uh, I, I really you know, let's. I, I don't want to get in this argument right now. We're we're looking towards the season. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll get it to you. I messed up. Please, can you just give me a couple more days? I'll get it to you. I'm gonna guarantee that that's not the way Geno Smith handled the situation. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna guarantee it. Uh, so uh, Geno Smith again. You go to him. Yes, he's supposed to be a leader. You're looking for him to lead the team as the quarterback. You, you know. You can't owe someone money, not pay him back, and not just not pay him back, but when there's an altercation about it, as we heard from some reports, he was pretty smug about it, about the whole thing. Like, didn't, you know, maybe even mocking I.K. Enapoli, right? That's, that's, is that the leader that you want? And and for people who say, oh, well, Enapoli's such a, you know, a bad person. You know, I love all the reporters that go back into this guy's history and how he was involved in an altercation or in, in college or right before the NFL. And what did he, did he hit a cop or something? He punched someone. Uh, you know, everyone keeps going back to that and they try to link the two situations. It, it's clear that I.K. Enapoli, you know, he, this is a guy who has a history of losing his cool. But, uh, you know, the, the, this situation with Geno Smith... You know, somebody owes you money. I'm look. You pay up. You're a professional athlete. You owe a guy money. Give him the money. And if if you don't pay somebody back as a pro athlete, as the quarterback of a team, if there's an altercation, well, you should be doing everything you can to defuse that situation. Okay. Um, I, you can't convince to me that that's what Geno Smith did. In fact, I'm basing that on reports that I read that he didn't do everything he could to. Here's what you do. Here's 600 bucks. Uh, okay? There's your money back. There's your money back. So, uh, look, I just think that when Rex Ryan then comes and signs this guy, people are knocking Rex Ryan. I don't even know that it's a shot at the Jets. I think it's a situation you say, hey, this is someone who's motivated, wants a job. And if let's face it, if you're ever going to take a chance on a guy who might be somewhat of a hothead and has some issues, why not take a chance on the guy after he just knocked out his own quarterback and got released? Is he going to do something like that again? I don't think so, right? So, 
I, I, I actually like the move for the Bills. I like this move. I do. And, and, and it's nothing's guaranteed. It's not like you got to, if he does act up, it's not like you got to keep him on the team. You don't have to, right? And so I, I just, I, people are knocking Rex Ryan for this. I'm not going to do that today. I like it, actually, to be honest. <laughs> if there's ever a time to, to make that type of move, I feel like it's right after he does something stupid. And, and yes, I say stupid. I'm not, I've, I've never sat here and, and defended I.K. Enampali to the point where I say guys should be walking around sucker punching their quarterbacks because they owe money. No, I never said that. What I'm saying, but, but I hear a lot of people that are crushing this kid thinking, you know, trying to portray this situation as him being this guy walking around the room just, you know, sucker punching QBs. And, and I'm just trying to explain to people that that's not actually how these things work. Like, an altercation takes two to tangle. And if you are trying to convince me that Geno Smith was this guy who didn't do anything wrong to I.K. Enampali or didn't say anything that might have, uh, you know, taken this altercation to a new level, then I, I just, I don't think you're living in the real world. Right? I think some people need to get out of the house. Sometimes, before they write something or say something about a situation like that in which two grown men are having words over some money that's owned. Boomer Esiason tweeted it perfect. When you owe someone money and you don't pay it, don't be surprised if you get punched in the face. Geno Smith got punched in the face and his jaw was broken. I.K. Napoli got released, which is what you expect an organization to do when you have a situation and an altercation between guys uh, that have two different types of value to your organization. Enapoli's released, and, well, he's picked up by a division rival. Rex Ryan and the Bills sign I.K. Enapoli, and I actually like the move for the Bills. Uh, moving on to some baseball. We had a no-hitter last night. A no-hitter last night for the Seattle Mariners. Hisashi Iwakuma. MLB's fourth no-hitter of the season. He joins Chris Heston, Max Scherzer, and Cole Hamels. You remember the Cole Hamels one, right? Uh, but Iwakuma with a no-no. It's, well, how do you view no-nos now? Is it news? Is it big news to you? Is it a, is it a top headline story? No. No, it's not. And 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 I guess I, look, I'm still going to acknowledge it, but it's not a it's not a top headline anymore. It's a great accomplishment. You allow no hits in a game, but it's it really isn't a top headline anymore. It's just I'm just I'm just telling you that's how it is, not necessarily how I feel. Uh, so congratulations to him, the fourth no-hitter in Major League Baseball this season. Getting a little bit more specific with the Red Sox. They get crushed by the Marlins yesterday. David Ortiz hit two home runs. The first home run was one of the furthest home runs I've ever seen David Ortiz hit. To the top, upper deck, to the very top of right field seats in Miami. Ortiz now has 491 home runs on his career. Can he get nine more, get to 500 this season? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he gets to like 496, 497. And then we get to, and he does it at the beginning of next season. But it certainly is a story to watch for. There's not much to watch for with this Red Sox team. They have made a move hiring former Angels GM Jerry DePoto. Jerry DePoto, DePoto was a scout for the Red Sox 2003 to 2004 under Theo Epstein. He then went on to become the GM of the Anaheim Angels, the L.A. Angels, as they're now known. 
in 2011, and he was GM of the Angels from 2011 up until this past July. He resigned on July 1st, and according to Fox Sports, uh, DePoto became frustrated with Angels coaches and their failure to convey scouting information to the players. So what it looks like here is DePoto likes analytics, and this is a guy that's going to come into the Red Sox organization as a consultant. He's been hired as a consultant, not as a GM, as a consultant. Now, if I'm Ben Sherrington, I, I don't like this news. I don't like it. I don't like this move. Because you're basically bringing someone in who was the GM in major leagues this season to, to, to what? Consult with me as a GM? Now, I'm not saying that, that Ben Sherrington doesn't need a little consulting. I think he does. I've tried to give it to him. But if I am Ben Sherrington, I don't like this move. This is not a move that I would want made. I wouldn't want someone looking over my shoulder, consulting me with my moves. Uh, how will this work out? I don't know. I mean, are we looking at Jerry Depoto as the next Red Sox GM? Maybe. Uh, maybe. But we'll have to see. Certainly. Red Sox have tonight off. They get back to work against the Mariners uh, tomorrow, Friday night at Fenway. Uh, what happened yesterday? Also, the NBA schedules were released. Sticking local here, the Celtics, seven national TV games, five on ESPN, two on TNT. That does not include the three NBA TV games they have this year. Now, that schedule can change. We saw it last year. The Celtics had one national TV game scheduled, and basically that got scrapped because they were brutal. And then they ended up getting another one late in the season when they were in a playoff race. So they did have one national TV game last year late in the season. Uh, this year, they're going to have seven. Five on ESPN, two on TNT. That could increase. Uh, that could There could be less than that. Who knows? But they only had one last season. Uh, so, so, look, I can't wait till we get to some hockey, some basketball talk. It is still a little early for that here in mid-August. We got the flake gate. And I would love to have some serious baseball discussions with regards to the Red Sox in a playoff race, but that is just not the case. Uh, so even that topic uh, is, you know, a little watered down right now. We do have, I think, an exciting weekend in the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits, right? Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, they're going to tee off today at 2.20. Tiger Woods has already teed off this morning. He teed off at about 9.15. And, uh, you know, McElroy, who's coming back from a, a serious ankle injury, uh, right? Did he, would he fracture his ankle or playing soccer with some friends? I didn't think he'd be back this soon, but he is back. Those guys, Spieth, McElroy, it's, you know, it's the rivalry that I, that I would love to see um, continue. Uh, at least, I don't know, can we say continue or create? I'm not sure that rivalry's there yet. I mean, they'd have, they've had some moments. Uh, but but I think if you if these two guys stay healthy, it will be the Speed McElroy show uh, on the PGA Tour next year, uh, for sure. But um, the PGA Championship it has begun today at Whistling Straits, and if you still are on the Tiger Woods watch, he already teed off. I I don't we I don't expect him to do anything as he has not been very good. But uh, it's really the Speed McElroy show. Be watching for those two guys all weekend. Long. Uh, one final story to wrap up this show today, and it's, I guess, you know, it, is it sports-related? Kind of. If you ever wanted to have a sleepover at Fenway, well, you can have the sleepover at Fenway if you win this contest. Um, the Red Sox, Kurt Schilling, 
And Airbnb, a team up to give one fan and his or her guest a sleepover of their dreams on September 2nd. Right? I think it's a, a game against the Yankees. I want to say it's a 4 o'clock start. You get a sleepover that includes tickets to the Red Sox-Yankees game, custom jerseys, a tour. You get to go out and play catch on the field. $500 to spend on some gear at the souvenir shop. A meet and greet with Louis Tiant. A view of the game from inside the Green Monster during the first inning. Then, listen to this. Tiant will swing back around once you're back in your suite. He'll hang out for a few innings. You'll get dinner on the right field roof deck. And in the morning, Fenway will make you waffles, breakfast, on the Green Monster, and you'll be able to then go out and take a few swings in the batting cage. Huh? How about that? A sleepover at Fenway. You get to bring a guest. And I don't know if this is something that you want to do or not, because I'll be honest. I, I don't know that I necessarily want to have a sleepover at Fenway, uh, but I, I, do, I do think that, and look, they're not paying me to give this read, and they maybe they should, but I figured... Hey, you know, I'm the, I'm the podcast host of the people, so maybe I should just let you know. If you don't know, you can, you can win a sleepover at Fenway. If that is something you want to do, I, I, you know, I, I guess to some people this could be a cool experience. I, I don't know that it's something that I'm itching to do. I think I'd rather just sleep in my own bed. I'd rather get tickets to the game, spend some time at Fenway. I'll take BP. The coolest part of it is taking batting practice. That's the coolest part. You get to take batting practice. That's the coolest part. Because I've actually taken batting practice on the Fenway field less than a year ago. Last November, I believe. Early November, late October. Right? Um, you know, when the Red Sox were, were, were golfing. I actually took BP on the Fenway field. That is the coolest part of this whole thing. So, uh, I figured I'd let you know about it. And if you want to uh, go and apply for this or put your name and throw your hat into the ring... You can go to Airbnb, their listings for all the details. So, wrapping up the show today, Thursday, make sure, once again, you go to violentgentleman.com right now to order some of the hottest T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene from the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field. Violent Gentleman on is the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. ViolentGentleman.com. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can get a podcast. Follow me on Twitter at DannyPicard. Like me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. I'll be wrapping up the show tomorrow, wrapping up the week tomorrow. Any Deflategate news, any settlement news, we'll give it to you. But like I said, I do not expect any type of settlement. I expect to be back in court on August 19th, next Wednesday. Also, make sure today on this Thursday morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're getting this, to get the Boston Metro. I have a column today every Thursday. You can read my column in the Boston Metro. It's also online as well. I'll be linking that a little bit later today on all of my social media outlets. Talk to you tomorrow.